When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. The Only Way is Through, a new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. Here is Canadian heptathlete Georgia Ellenwood. The reason I won is because on that day I was confident. I need to continue that mentality to understand that I can be an Olympic athlete. I can compete with the best in the world and just perform. Listen to The Only Way is Through, available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, if you're on a first date with a fellow, what expectations do you have about certain aspects of uh, his manner towards you on the date? Do you expect him to open the door for you? Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that I expect him to, to open or not open a door for me. If he happens to open a door for me, then that's, then that's nice and I will walk through it. You're not going to make a mental note if he, uh, just walks in without holding the door for you? If he walks in ahead of me and makes no attempt to hold a door open, then yeah, I would find that rude. Okay. <laughs> a little bit rude. Um, so let's say now the night goes on and, uh, you're chilly in the restaurant. Mm hmm. Should he give you his coat or not? Oh, man. I mean, am I visibly shivering? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, well yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think he'd offer, maybe. So that you'd expect that? I, I see. I hate, <laughs> I hate saying all these expectations. Um, if I, you know, if I'm uncomfortable, I would, I wouldn't necessarily, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't necessarily expect him to give me his coat because he might not even be wearing a coat. Um, <laughs> but I would, expect him to acknowledge my discomfort. Mm, that's a good way to put it. Okay. Um, the waiter comes and he just orders a bottle of wine without asking. How's that going to go over? Not well. Not well? No. I would like him, I would, I would expect for him to be interested in my taste as well. You don't, you don't want him saying two steaks and two lobsters right here. I mean, well, I'd be totally fine with that order. Uh, I would, again, expect him to be interested in what, in, in my palate. All right. So he's ordered, let's say he's ordered the two steaks and the two lobsters, just mm-hmm. for the sake of argument. Mm-hmm. Then the check comes and he goes, let me go half season on this one. I would say, my friend, you ordered <laughs> two steaks and two lobsters. So I think that... Um, well, no, I wouldn't say anything. If he said, let's go have these, I'd, I'd say, all right, but I w- would do it begrudgingly. You'd, you'd make a mental note. I would make a big mental note. Now, Kristen, I tried to pick extremes. Yes. Because uh, I was just trying to give a few examples of what people consider to be chivalry in sort of a an old-fashioned sense of the word. You know, uh, if you think about Mad Men, our favorite show, mm-hmm. the guys are always ordering the food for the women. Yeah. 
They're giving coats away. They're opening doors. They're standing and sitting down when people exit and enter. Um, they, they take the check. There would never be a question of, I don't even know what women had in their pocketbooks back then. It certainly wasn't money. Cigarettes. <laughs> Cigarettes, true. <laughs> um, but there is sort of this uh, very old-fashioned sense that the man was in charge of the lady's comfort yes. the whole night through. Yes. And this behavior uh, has become known as chivalry, even though that's not the uh, traditional, original sense of the word. Yeah. If we go back to the days of knights, okay? K-N-I-G-H-T-S. Yes. Back to feudal feudal times. My favorite times. <laughs> the best of times, really. This is coming from Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, chivalry, of course, is associated with knighthood. And essentially, it is the honorable and courteous conduct expected of a knight. Everything, yeah, everything from like what they're wearing yeah. to how they hang their sword at night. Yeah, and of course, how they would treat uh, women folk. Which was not actually chivalry. It was sort of a, a subset of chivalry called courtly love. Yes, courtly love practiced during the Middle Ages, which was it was kind of, yeah, sort of an addendum to the code of chivalry. And uh, a lot of these rules of courtly love um, were actually written down. They were, you know, all the, the troubadours of the day were expected to memorize them all. And all the writers were writing tales of how these knights uh, exhibited courtly love. The rules, as uh, recorded by Frenchmen, actually have very little to do with what we consider chivalry today. Yeah, these are more just kind of um, basic facts about love, such and as... some of them I don't even think were facts. Some of them I don't well, agree with. Facts. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just sort of uh, little sayings like, he who is not jealous cannot love. When made public, love rarely endures. It is well known that love is always increasing or decreasing. But no, nowhere in here does it say he should always open a door for his fair maiden. No, it says things like boys do not love until they arrive at the age of maturity. So I think that it's really interesting that those were the Middle Ages rules of love. Um, but because of that uh, association with knights and with the concept of chivalry, mm-hmm. um Chivalry has evolved through the ages just to mean courtesy. Yeah. That's sort of what um, people mean in a general sense is courtesy. But because the knights were the traditional practitioners of it, it usually means courtesy towards a woman because she is a woman. And that's why, you know, a lot of women today have a problem with so-called acts of chivalry because, you know, we, women today, we are, we're strong and we don't necessarily need to be treated like delicate flowers who can't make it across the road on our own. Um, so thanks, but no thanks. I can open the door. I can pay the tab. I can, you know, I can, can do whatever a man can do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's, it's sort of a complicated concept today. And that's why the question we're going to ask is, should chivalry die? Has its has its time come and gone? Has its time come and gone? And the and Molly, you were saying though that this question is not a new one at all. No, when I started researching this, um, you know, I obviously expected to a lot to find a lot of sources that traced uh, problems with chivalry to second wave feminism to those strides women were making in entering the workplace. But this question, you know, the earliest instance that I found of it being asked was 1911 in the New York Times where some man wrote a uh, op-ed that said basically if, if women want the right to vote, 
then I'm sure not gonna sure not gonna open any more doors for them. Golly gee, golly, <laughs> golly gee, and uh, and now today uh, there was a Washington Post poll um, not too long ago found that eight out of ten Americans say that women today are treated with less chivalry than in the past. You know, and I would kind of agree with that. I mean, if we're thinking about chivalry in terms of that, you know, Mad Men style, over the top, women must be taken care of mm-hmm. moment to moment, um, then sure, yeah, we, we aren't, you know, we aren't coddled kind of like we used to be. But here's where we're going to get into some fine lines, Kristen, because... You know, you and I, and we should note, we are good Southern girls, born and raised in the South. Mm -hmm. We're bringing you this very podcast from Atlanta, Georgia, (laughs) right here down in, (laughs) down in Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. And, uh, we have both talked about how, despite the good feminists that we are, believing in equality of every sort, Mm -hmm. that if we go on a date, a first date, and the guy doesn't open the door, we might make a mental note. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, there are there are certain behaviors that um, that you do become accustomed to. For instance, in our building uh, that, that Molly and I work in, if you walk into an elevator and it's you and a guy, you know that when the elevator hits the lobby, you walk out first. Exactly. Because otherwise you you will have some like face down where he will. He will wait for you to get out of the elevator. So you just, you know, you just cruise on. Exactly. If you're on public transportation, it's pretty much a given that in this area, uh, a man will give up his seat for you. Yeah. So the question is, you know, are those are those men uh, demeaning us by saying, you know, oh, well, she can't stand for the duration of this train trip. No, I don't think that's the case of all, at all. I think that they're just trying to be to be polite and to be courteous. I don't know that it's necessarily keeping me back. And heck, I don't mind being the first person out of the elevator. All right. But that's the question we're going to have to grapple with, Kristen. And I am really interested to see if we're more willing to accept those forms of politeness than maybe some of our other listeners are. I do have one friend that um, when she's on buses and a man offers uh, her a seat, she won't take it. Mm-hmm. She just will not take it. And I'd be like, well, I'll take that seat if you're not going to take it. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's a really fine line. And there are going to be critics of uh, of us who will say, well, you're trying to have it both ways. You want to be equal in the workplace, but you want someone to open the door for you. Can you really have it both ways? And there are a lot of trend pieces about how us crazy women are really screwing up the dating world by having these contradictory impulses, the impulse to be seen as a complete equal uh, in terms of the dinner conversation, in terms of our earning power. Should we get married? Uh, you know, we want to keep our last name. We've got all these ideals. But at the end of the night, you know, I'm not going to turn down a dinner that <laughs> someone else is paying for. Sure. Despite that earning power that I want you to be so very aware of. And it's it is contradictory and it's but, you know, it's it's somehow still feels right. And I don't know how to reconcile that. Well, yeah, exactly. And um, and and I think it, it for for our generation of women, it is particularly tricky. And I'm going to um, I'm going to quote now from uh, from an article by Tracy Clark Flory in Salon in which she's kind of approaching this question of the concept of, of modern day chivalry, if you will, in dating. And she takes on this, uh, this piece that was written by a woman, K.S. Himowitz, 
who argues that young men are exposed to a series of, quote, miscues, cross purposes and half conscious, contradictory female expectations that are alternately proudly egalitarian and coyly traditional. They want you to open the door. They don't want you to open the door, but they do want you to pay for dinner. They want chivalry one moment and evolved egalitarianism the next. And while I don't think that it's, you know, that's true 100 percent of the time, I think that it is, you know, she does make a decent point there. I think we've already, between the two of us, probably sent out a lot of mixed signals in yeah. terms of what we'd expect or what we, and I, like you said at the beginning, Kristen, expect is the wrong, is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'd go into any date thinking, man, if he doesn't open the car door for me, minus five points. No, thanks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it just, it be, it's something you become aware of and it does become weird when it's, uh, twisted up in your ideas of what common courtesy is. Mm-hmm. So I, I do understand how that um, there can be sort of that that confusion among men. But what I was really kind of disturbed by was that Clark Flory says that these men, because we're giving them so many crazy cues, are practicing something called dating Darwinism, in which they become sort of the biggest jerks they can be to make the point that they are not treating you any uh with any special respect at all yeah they're basically turning it's like the chivalry backlash yeah basically where they they just kind of treat us like dirt and and we or like a dude i mean if we want yeah you know this is again it's it's going to be kind of tricky to navigate but if we do want to be seen as equal to guys then are we just one of the guys yeah so here's my big question though, Molly. We keep, we keep interchanging chivalry and courtesy and civility. Uh, so, so my question here is maybe we shouldn't be asking so much whether or not chivalry should die, but whether chivalry in, in its true form and its actual definition, what, what chivalry really means if it even exists today or whether what we're talking about is just social courtesy uh you know these these kinds of social patterns that we've just kind of adopted in terms of male female relations you know sort of the knee jerk open a door knee jerk pick up a tab all mm-hmm. of those kind of things that are being challenged you know with, as as we evolve you know um and especially in, in the dating context, as that whole landscape continues to change, because it has radically changed, I will say, for our generation in particular. So maybe maybe chivalry isn't even, even the question anymore. It's just such a loaded word. I mean, it's exactly when we've had conversations about feminism. It's so loaded. And if you go back to the original meaning, and if it's about knights, you know, wearing certain, you know, coats of armor on certain days, Mm -hmm. it's not relevant. I think when people get upset or concerned about how courtesy relates to feminism is when it seems to be some sort of special act that acknowledges gender. Right. And I think that uh, maybe what we women don't do is look at the ways in which we are in return courteous to men, uh, perhaps in a dating situation or on a train. I mean, yeah. if a, if a young father comes on the train and he's got like two kids and he's trying to wrestle them into place, he can have the seat. It's Absolutely. not a matter of the woman always wins. It's more a matter of, you know, I think that people see chivalry as so one-sided and that's why it seems unfair to put it in context with feminism. 
Whereas there are things that we do in return that maybe just aren't. I mean, we put on the charm on our dinner dates. We, we, we take I showers. Try. Yeah. We might put on some makeup. I'm not saying that those are the equal acts to opening a door, but I just wonder if because chivalry has become this thing that men do, we overlook the things that women do in return, be it cooking dinner one night, picking up the groceries. Yeah. And goodness, Molly, I mean, you and I both open doors for people. You know, it's just, it's something that, that it just, it, it happens now as, as a natural byproduct. Whoever gets the door first better open, open the door. Open the door. Yeah, exactly. And common courtesy. Here's, maybe they should do this to just create equality in dating. Every restaurant that might ever be used as a date location should have either revolving doors uh-huh. or the double doors. I like the double doors because first one person opens and the person goes in and they get to the second door first and then they open the door for the other person. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I'm guessing the uh, expense of putting double doors in every place that might be used as a dating locale would be would be excessive but i do like the double doors because that way everyone gets to participate well here's the thing you know you you and i have been hashing this out uh and i think this might be a a good opportunity to toss in a male perspective in this um this is from men's news daily which molly and i subscribe to not really um uh, but they, the, this is Men's News Daily. It's an article kind of hashing out, um, for, for men, this question of whether or not, yeah, whether or not chivalry and just general politeness is really something that, that guys need to keep doing. And he says the very point of chivalry is that it's a man's way of showing respect for a woman by taking care of her physical safety, whether by fending off an attacker or simply pulling out a chair. For a woman, the traditional way, way to repay chivalry is not by being chivalrous back, but to repay the man by being sweet or cooking some food for him. Chivalry is therefore an intrinsic part of our traditional gender roles, and the concept is impossible to preserve if you are for a society where men and women have exactly the same roles. And I think that is a pretty good point. Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest risk that we're running here, Kristen, is people will write in and say that we're trying to have it both ways, that we want all this equality, but we still don't mind taking seats when they're offered to us. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's one thing. Like we said, we're from the South. Maybe we just um, have different ideas of politeness. Yeah. Um, and what courtesy is. And I don't see those. I don't always see a gender reason for why I'm being offered a seat. Yeah. Even though that might be in the person who's offering it's mine. But but if someone pulls but if someone pulls that seat out for you different and says, take a load off those tiny tiny feet. Take a load off those gams. Then yeah, I might I might get a little skeezed out. <laughs> but I mean he's he's saying that if we're gonna call it chivalry, there's gonna be gender roles associated with it. Yeah. If we call it courtesy, are those gender roles still there? And is it as potentially offensive? Yeah. I say maybe not as much. Maybe it's all, maybe, maybe we're just arguing semantics. Maybe it's just all, you know, problems with vocabulary. Chivalry is just such a, like you said, such a loaded term that, um, that it's, it will always at some point be perceived as negative. Yeah. In some light. 
I don't know. We don't know. I mean, we didn't start this podcast with any answer in mind, as if that is not abundantly clear. And there was no expert source out there to tell us what the right or wrong answer was, unfortunately. So that's why, that's kind of why we did it, was just to get people's viewpoints on it. And we are asking all of you to write in to momstuffathowstuffworks.com. Are we, are we rationalizing? If we're, if we're good feminists, should we, you know, go Dutch? Should we pick up towels more than we might yeah. now? Or is it just not a big deal if a guy opens a car door? And guys, I mean, are, are we sending out all of these mixed signals of like, yeah, open this door, but not that door and, um, pay for this, but don't order that. You yeah. know, is this, is it, it's just a, a huge chivalrous mess out there that you have to dive into as well. We want to know your thoughts because clearly we are in the same mess as you are. <laughs> so email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com and let's work this out together. Yes, I think with, with all our listeners, we can we can nail down the chivalry thing once we and can, for all. Surely we can do something. All right, so let's read some listener mail. This one is from Andy. And he is writing about the musical instrument podcast. It was called Why Don't Boys Play the Harp. Andy writes, I recall the reason I started playing the cello. In the third grade, the local high school orchestra came and played for our class. It was then that I discovered the girl who'd been my babysitter for years was the first chair of the cello section. After a little concert, she came over and talked to me about all the awards she'd won and how she was going to be getting a scholarship to play music. Of course, it didn't hurt that she played a solo of the Star Wars theme song for my friends and me. I thought she was so cool that the very next week I signed up for orchestra class and went straight for the cello. Years later, once I was in high school and then college, there was always a woman to chair ahead, stopping me from getting the top spot. So the cello is my vote for the most gender-neutral strange instrument. Supposedly, it's traditionally a masculine choice, but all of the cellists I've ever met were incredibly talented women. Well, I've got an email here from Brian, and this is about our podcast on your brain on a breakup. He says, a few years ago, I went through a divorce. I decided that rather than developing an alcohol problem to deal with the depression, I would start learning the Russian language. Whenever I'd get into a funk, I would fire up my laptop and study, study, study. After a time, the funk lessened, but I continued studying, eventually making friends with some Russians, one of which became my girlfriend and then my wife. So that's a nice story. Isn't it amazing how distractions can lead to different kinds of distractions? Mm -hmm. And Brian says, thanks for all the hard work to you and everybody at How Stuff Works. And thank you, Brian. And uh, speaking of How Stuff Works, you can email us at that domain. It's momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can also head over to Facebook and like us, leave comments, ask advice, whatever you please. Um, and then you can also join our Twitter conversation. We are Mom Stuff Podcast over there. And then finally, you can head over to our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You. And you can find it at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 
95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's rose water collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rose water derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's rose water collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.